we, uh, the, the, we are going to start a series on the Minor Prophets tonight. And I want to start by reading just the first eight verses of the book of Nahum. Because they are great verses, but also because it's likely something that we haven't paid a lot of attention before. We're not going to study them tonight, so this is just laying the foundation for future lessons. As I was, in my mind, designing this series, I thought, well, I'll start with a 12-lesson series, one on each minor prophet. But then I thought, you know, we need to situate them, we need to locate them. Where are they in the history of the Bible? Uh, and how can we understand them in the context uh, where they're found? And then I thought, well, to do that, we need to figure out what is the context of the Bible? So the, 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 the text for tonight is the Bible. We're going to try to figure out the Bible, the Old Testament at least, and where it fits, not necessarily the content, where it fits in history and so on, so we can be ready to understand each of these minor prophets in their own context. So let's look at Nahum chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The burden against Nineveh, the book of, of the vision of Nahum, the Elkoshite. God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him, the hills melt and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation and who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fear is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place, and darkness will pursue his enemies. What do you conspire against the Lord? You make an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. Good feelings or... Bad feelings. Ah. Now, has anybody ever heard a sermon on Nahum? Okay. All, most of you should raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. Because Nick, just a couple years ago, preached a sermon from this very pulpit <laughs> on Nahum 1.7. So, a lot of you have heard a sermon, at least one sermon on uh, Nahum. Now, the minor prophets are not super well-known. Uh, they're not called minor because, ah, they're minor. We're, we're just going to go to the major leagues. That's what's important. The minor name comes from length, not from importance. There's lots of important things in the minor prophets because guess what they are? They are the Word of God. They are part of the B-I-B-L-E. Uh, Somebody, I, 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 I said that once a few weeks ago, and um, uh, somebody listened to the, met, to the sermon online, or the lesson, and then they contacted me trying to figure out what version I was using. Of the Bible. Well, it's always the same one. Now, what's this B-I-B-L-E version that you're using? I said, okay, I, said, I told the person, write it down, now read it. 
So it's not a special version, it's the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book uh, for me. So tonight's going to be, it's not going to be a warm and fuzzy lesson, it's not going to be the type of lesson that you're going to learn a lot of how to do life sort of lessons, but it's one of those lessons that you need in order to be able to put the puzzle together as we study uh, the Bible. First question for the evening, can you list the 12 minor prophets? So raise your hand and give me one. Jones. Huh? Micah, Nahum. Okay, one more. Raise your hand. Yes. Zephaniah, that's three. Raise your hand. Obadiah, Sonia. Hosea, Emily. Zechariah, Heather. Habakkuk, Karen. Haggai. So that's eight. Malachi, Nick. Huh? Scott. Joel, Micah has been said. Malachi has been said. Tammy. Amos. One left. Jonah. Jonah. Jonah is sitting over here. Jonah is in the Bible. <laughs> By the way, the name John in the New Testament is actually, if, if, if the New Testament is being written in Hebrew, it would be Jonah. So the Apostle John is actually Jonah. So yes, these are the 12, oh, these are the 12 minor prophets in canonical order. When I say canonical order, do you understand what I'm saying? The canon is the list of books that are in the Bible. So in canonical order means that's the order that they are found in the Bible. They are found in the Bible. They are not written in this order, but they are found in this order. When I was uh, being licensed to be a pastor, uh, I had a big test, I had to take an oral test, and one of the questions they asked me was to give the 12 minor prophets in historical order with a f- domestic and foreign king for each one of them. At the time I was able to do it, I no longer can do that, at least for the kings, the foreign kings, I cannot do that anymore. And then they asked me, just listen to the order that's in the Bible, and I could not remember. It took me a long time to remember the, just the regular order that is in the Bible. First century Judaism, so the believer of the first century, considered these 12 one book. So that's, that's how in the Jewish Bible, the first century, there, only, there were only 22 books instead of our Old Testament. 39. In our Old Testament Bible, no, not Bible, the Old Testament is 39 books. The, in the first century, the list was 22, and one of the reasons is because these 12 were the 12. One book, one scroll. And again, S-C-R-O-L-L. One of them. And then 1st oh, and 2nd Chronicles 1, 1st and 2nd King goes 1, so we can see how we can get to 22 instead of uh, 39. Nine of them are directly quoted in the New Testament. So Hosea, Joel, Amos, Jonah, Micah, Habakkuk, Haggai. I call it Haggai. Some people call it Haggai. It's up to you, whatever you want to uh, say. Zechariah and Malachi, they're all quoted in the New Testament. Can you think of a place where any of these are quoted? Isaiah. Malachi is quoted in Romans. Yes. Of one place. Yeah. Can, 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 
Yes. What else? Can you think of any other places that these are quoted? Joel's, Joel 2 is the text of Peter's Pentecostal sermon, right? At least that's what he uses to explain what's going on there uh, in, in Acts chapter 2. What else? The just shall live by faith. It's the Nehemiah prophet. Know which one? It's the one that Heather mentioned. Habakkuk, yes. Let's go to three times in the New Testament. Which one, which one prophesies of Elijah? And it's quoted in the Gospels. The messenger of the covenant is Malachi. Yes. Which one says, you are my people, you are not my people, but now you are my people? Is also quoted by Peter. Hosea, right? And um, Micah. Anybody remember what the. Huh? Yes, is the Bethlehem one, is uh, Bethlehem Ephrathah, right? That's the one from Micah. Um, The Amos and Haggai one kind of escaped me at the moment, but we'll get to them. There, so nine are directly quoted. So you can see that this is not a, a books that uh, the apostles, Jesus, just kind of glossed over. They are important in the history of Christian theology. All twelve of them are alluded in the New Testament. Do you know what the difference between an allusion and a quotation? So a quotation you can match the word pretty much word for word, either from the Hebrew Old Testament, or from a Greek translation of the Old Testament, an allusion is where it's not word for word, but you can, you're pretty certain that came from this one text over here. Does it make sense? So that's, that's the, all 12 are alluded in the New Testament. So these are important books in the history of Christian theology as the New Testament is developed as the apostles preach, as Christ preaches there. Are we good so far? Any questions? Sonia? You want to guess? Science? Nope. <coughs> Does anybody want to? Nobody knows. <laughs> no, it's not alphabetical either. Because <laughs> the last one's Malachi, and you have Zechariah before him. Um, the best, the, 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 the most prevalent theory is by the size of the scroll is you um, didn't want to start a book on the same column as the other. So they figured out an order where you'd have better divisions as they were copied. So in God's providence, it can end up... Because it's not in size. Like Hosea is the biggest one. But then what's the next one? It's Joel. And that's not the biggest, the second biggest one. It's one of the smaller ones. Okay. So, this is what I'm going to do. This is a timeline of the Old Testament. If you guys, the homeschooling parents love timelines, right? <laughs> Especially if you're involved in CC in some way or another. So, timelines is your thing. And I think timelines can be helpful, but this is a triple timeline. Notice that? So, it goes the top line, the next is split into two, and then 
the bottom line. But you can see how ancient the history of our history is. This is not somebody else's history. This is our history, the people of God's history, with Abraham coming almost 2,000 years before Christ. Now, these are somewhat approximated dates. You're going to find uh, different sources that we have a little earlier, a little later for whatever events. But we're in the ballpark here, okay? So you have Abraham coming 1,900 years before Christ. There's not much going on in the world. The, the, the Romans, the Greeks, they didn't even exist yet, right? The, 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 the wolves had not yet gotten to Rom, what's the name? Romulus and Ramos. They're still not there. The wolves hadn't found them yet. There's no Rome, there's no Greece, and we are already around. Jacob, Joseph, they go to Egypt, the slavery, the 400 years. Moses comes at Sinai, somewhere between 1500 before Christ and 1400 before Christ. Some liberal people put later on in the 1200 before Christ. Have you ever seen the Prince of Egypt movie? There's a lot of accurate things. There's a lot of inaccurate things. Uh, remember who the Pharaoh is? The, the brother, the adopted brother? Is Ramses, right, in the movie? That's what the liberals think because they, they really push the Moses and the writing of the Pentateuch to, to later on because they say... There's no way that Moses could be writing in 1496 because no alphabet had been invented yet. And then, in the 1970s and 80s, they found out the first alphabet had been developed in the upper, in the the Nile Delta, 22 letters, was for Phoenician origin. Guess what Moses wrote? I mean, what he used to write was Paleo, Paleo, as some say, Hebrew. And Proto Hebrew, and that's exactly the alphabet that he used, and push it back to like 1800s before. So even even Abraham could be writing um, with an alphabet. Now, not every language uses alphabet. Can you think of a current language that is a, a current written language that does not use an alphabet? Huh? Chinese. Mandarin does not use an alphabet. It uses characters, which is different than alphabet. Alphabet, you have a a certain number of little squiggly things that we call letters, and you can make any sound in that language with those limited number of of letters. Chinese is not that. If a new word is invented, then there's a new sound. They have to create a new character, so they end up with hundreds and thousands, hundreds of characters at least. And I think Japanese is similar to that as well. Korean's not. Korean is alphabet. So prior to the alphabet, if you think about it, every new word, they had to come up with a new little symbol for it. That's why hieroglyphs are so hard to decipher because you have literally somebody saying, ah, I'm going to tell a story about Keith. Okay, Keith, stay there. Let me draw you here. You know, and, and that's how they would come up with, with the language. And then, but when the alphabet was invented, then it became, in God's good providence, we could receive his word in a way that um, we, could, we could understand and be easily passed. And so Moses, we get the, 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 the five books of the law. Joshua comes about that time as well. Uh, there's a, some scholarship that believes that Joshua wrote Deuteronomy alongside Moses. You know, at least was his. Uh, I don't know why, but in biblical scholarship, the secretary is never a secretary. 
is always an amanuensis. That's the guy that writes down what the other guy is saying. A clerk, I guess, or a secretary. So Joshua may have been Moses' clerk that wrote down what he said and then wrote the book of Joshua. And then we have the book of Judges and the period of Judges. Then Saul, uh, uh, in God's good providence, Saul, David, and Solomon had all equal length reigns. 40, 40, 40. I don't know if there's any significance to that, but that's what, what happened. And, but so far, there's no, no, no written prophet. Uh, there's no, nothing written as far as the prophets go. The first major prophet is not written down. It's not a book in the Bible. The first major prophet in the kingdom years is Elijah. And he, he kind of introduces the office of the prophet whose job is to proclaim God's word to the people and call God's people back to the word of God. And that's why we read the prophets and even listen to Elijah's and Elisha's message. It's like, boy, I don't want to be in his church. It seems like so negative. Well, because their job is to, to call a people who were rebellious against God back to God by using God's word. Lest... I saw, I saw somebody say, somebody with, with, uh, that knows what they're talking about, that says that less than 2% of the Old Testament prophets, the text, is about, about telling the future. They're, most of what prophets did is preach, not necessarily tell about the future. The prophets don't come till really the divided kingdom. Remember what happened? Solomon was the last, the last of the three kings that reigned over Israel. And then his son Roboam came, and what happened? He listened to the young people. <laughs> Literally, that's what happened. He listened to the young people. The, the old elders told him, you know, you see, your father Solomon was kind of harsh. He really made them work hard. You, you, you do good to take some of the burden off of the people. And the young people said, no, no, you need to do more taxes, more work, and... Uh, and then Robum said, okay, and he told the people, my little finger is going to be thicker than my father's thigh. And, and said, oh, really? Okay, see ya. And ten tribes left, and he stayed with a tiny little kingdom that uh, encompassed really Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. And that's the beginning of the divided kingdom that leads all the way to the Assyrian Captivity of the northern kingdom. So the ten tribes that were in the north were taken away by Assyria in 722, 721, around there. And they are taken to what is the capital of Assyria? Nineveh, right? That's where the capital of Assyria. Um, Though we have my Emily's twin sister is going on a medical trip to Assyria in January. Is going to Iraq on a medical uh, medical mission uh, in January, and that's when we start seeing the prophets. Is in the 800s with Uzziah, so we start seeing Joel, Micah, Isaiah, and then they start showing up. So that's where the prophets fit in the history of Israel, where Israel rebelled and they're being called back to um, to God and to God's word. And then right here with Malachi, we have the last 
written prophet of the Old Testament, the, the last minor prophet of the Old Testament. And between here and all the way till John the Baptist comes, um, there's a silence from heaven, uh, and uh, they don't hear anything from the Lord. And it sounds, wow, that's a lot of time, but that was not unusual. Have you ever found yourself thinking, I wish I was like Abraham, could hear from God directly? Well, remember how long Abraham lived? A long time, let's just say a long time, right? 120 plus years. Do you know how many times the Bible tells us he actually heard from God? Five times. In that whole period. And we can open the Bible any day, any moment of any day and hear from God right then. Right? So we are in a better time. We are in the fullness of time better than in Abraham. Any questions about the timeline of the Word of God in the Old Testament? Okay. Not a timeline. <laughs> this is just for, for our prophets, including major and minor prophets. They are in the box on the bottom, and then the kings are on the top, so you can pair them up. So they, if you ever ask, can you give me a king? And, and with H minor prophet, you're able to do that. Now, now somebody you know, mugs you in the street, put your gun to your face, and say, okay, give me, I'll let you go. Now you can, you know, because it's right, right here. Um, so Jonah is the oldest of the prophets, though there's some newer scholarship that wants to put Joel even earlier in the 800s before Christ. But Jonah will be, um, as far as we traditionally the oldest of them, okay? Then one last thing. I know there's lots of numbers and so on. This is the order that they were written. The traditional order for their uh, being written. With Jonah being the first one. And he is a prophet not to Israel, but to Nineveh. And he's sent there as a prophet who didn't want to go. Right? Tried to run away, ended up in Nineveh. And the entire city experienced an awakening. We don't know if the entire city was saved, but at least they, they, they experienced an awakening, an awareness of their sin and the presence of God and so on. And the reason I say that we don't know if the, whole, the entire city was saved because it ends saying that 120,000 people came out of town, that people they didn't know their left from the right, and their cattle and so on. So just because they came out of town doesn't necessarily mean that they were saved since the cattle and everything else is listed with them there as well. Uh, one thing we know about Jonah. You can just give me one thing. It can be very obvious. <laughs> what is that we know about Jonah? A fish, good. Not a whale, a fish. Okay, a great fish. All right. Then Amos. Amos is interesting because he's from Judah, but he ministers to Israel. He crosses the border. Right? And uh, what do you know about Amos? Any, any one thing, any one or two things you know about Amos? He was a shepherd, yes, and he has a series of visions in, in the book you know, of, a, of, a fig, of a, almost reminds you of um, the visions that uh, Joseph translates in the book of Genesis. Remember the baker, the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker in jail with uh, Joseph? Is the baker and the cupbearer, right? <laughs> uh, so the, the visions of Amos are similar to those dreams there. Then you have Hosea, 
what do you know? What's the one thing you know about Hosea? He ministered to the to the northern kingdom, to Israel. And what was that the Lord asked him to do? Either to marry a prostitute or to keep on living with a wife who had committed herself to prostitution, right? And then uh, he had to name his kids, you know, really great names. Uh, 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 Lo Amim, you're not my people. Lo Ruamai, I will not have mercy. Uh, so, and, oh yeah, she's in here. I said, instead of Florence, Lo Ruamai could be a, a good name for, for the girl there. <laughs> Jim, is, is Kaya having a girl? That's all they had, right? It's girls anyway, so yeah. Uh, Micah comes next, Judah, uh, to Judah. The great thing about Micah is that it is Cliff's note on Isaiah and only nine chapters. So if you are too lazy to read Isaiah, if you read Micah, you're going to have a good idea of what's going on in Isaiah as well uh, there. Uh, and then... You guys are laughing, but I have to get you guys to read the Bible somehow, right? So it's, uh, just giving little tips here. Um, Nahum, Nahum, as you read, is, is, a, is, a, is a preacher to Nineveh, again. And then Zephaniah to Judah. Habakkuk um, to Judah as well. And the dates are pretty much because of the kings that are listed in the book or foreign powers. And we're going to take a look at it more closely. Obadiah, that's... Oh, neither Brandon nor Grace are in here. Um, that's, he, he ministers to Edom, which means red. Yes, uh, uh, as the, uh, um, one of the um, nations that came from um, uh, Esau. Uh, Haggai, Haggai, and... Uh, it's a post-exilic, post-exilic, all these ones are post-exilic after the exile. Haggai has to do with the building of the temple, encourages the people. The main master said, hey guys, you built all your houses and yet the temple is desolate. Then Zechariah is an apocalyptic, meaning it sounds a lot like the Revelation when you read Zechariah, you know, the, the locusts with the face of lions and that kind of stuff. Then Joel, um, and then Malachi, bringing the rear there at the end. So, no fuzzy feelings. No, this is how you live your life. Go conquer for the kingdom tonight. But all these things are good for us to have a framework in our minds where the Bible fits and then be able to interpret it more appropriately because we want to interpret the Bible according to the time and and where they were written and the occasion that gave rise to the books and and why the, the, that particular author decided to, read, to, to write those things. Any questions? Everybody's going to be ready for their quiz next, uh, next Wednesday. All right, so then next Wednesday we'll start on, with Hosea. And then one lesson on each prophet, starting with uh, Hosea, Lord willing. No, it's easier to find the Bible if you just do it according to the table of contents. <laughs> yes. All right, so let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us your word and uh, giving us the ability to study it. Help us to be passionate about it. Dismiss us with your blessings tonight. For asking in Jesus' name, amen.